you have your Bibles, if you'll go ahead and open them up with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. In the moments before Jesus died on the cross, there is a real story that is woven into the passion story of two men. And these two men wrestled with their pride in a world that was falling apart around them. These two guys are Judas and Peter, and together they form a story of pride, apathy, and betrayal. Now, in reality, their story is actually rather similar, but Judas' story ends with death and shame, and Peter's story ends with grace and forgiveness. So the disciples are in the upper room, and Jesus looks at Peter in verse 31 and says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you, when, and you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will not crow today until you deny me, deny three times that you know me. Now, Peter was an incredible person. Peter had an absolutely magnetic personality. If he were to take one of those disc personality tests, he would be a high eye. He was a sanguine, otter-type personality that was always talking, always in the middle of the action. People just loved to be around him. He was no doubt fun-loving. Think about somebody in your life who's just always cracking jokes, always smiling, always laughing. That's Peter. He was the person that you just want to be around. He was also a man that had some deep spiritual conviction. He passionately followed Christ. He gave up his business, his fishing business, and he spent his life, left his home in order to follow Jesus because he believed him to be the Messiah. And over time, Jesus and Peter became very, very close friends. In fact, when Jesus went in to uh, raise Jairus' daughter from the dead, Peter was asked to go in there with him. When Jesus went up to the Mount of Transfiguration and there revealed his deity, Peter was there. When Jesus would go into the Garden of Gethsemane and pour out his heart to his Lord, he asked Peter to be there with him and to pray for him because Jesus looked to Peter to pray for him and help him have the strength that he needed. Peter was an outgoing people person, a natural leader. He was also complicated. In some ways, he was a little bit messed up. And one of his struggles is that he struggled with pride. You see Peter using the word I a lot. I, I would never deny you. I, I, would, I would fight for you. I will, I will go to prison with you. I, 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 I. And Peter also suffered from a very subtle form of idolatry. And most of the time, whenever we think of idolatry, we think of somebody forming a statue and worshiping that statue. But there's a more subtle form of idolatry, and that is when we fashion images of God in our mind. 
and we think to ourselves, this is how God is supposed to be. This is what God is supposed to do, and we will worship that image of God and refuse to worship the image of God that we see on the pages of Scripture. And Peter struggled because he thought Jesus was supposed to be the way that he imagined him to be. So envision me in the middle of my sermon, and I just stop, and I say, Steve, Steve, look out. What would you think was going on here? That just kind of shock you. I mean, Steve would probably wake up, and it'd, it'd be nice to see him awake for a sermon every now and then, but, but I mean, you could just imagine this happening. Well, that's exactly what Jesus does. He's sitting there. He, he's in a, it's a serious moment. This is, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is, my, this is my blood, which has been shed for you. And then he stops, and he's like, Simon, look out. Simon, Satan is about to tempt you to see if you are the real deal. Peter, you need to realize this. Your world is about to fall apart. I'm going to be arrested, and you're going to deny me. And the dreams and the visions that you had for this ministry, they're going to be shattered. Satan's about to put you through a season of temptation. Now hear me, church. Hear me on this one. There will be times in your life when your faith will be tested. There will be times in your life when you will go through a season of temptation. It's easy to praise God. It's easy to be generous when everything is going well. And we sing these songs and we reach out to our God. We're just like, Lord, I love you so much. It's much harder to praise God. To be that generous person when everything seems like it's falling apart around you and your soul just feels empty and you're stressed out and it's hard to find your smile and you just feel lonely and empty inside. But it's going to happen. There are going, there's going to be seasons in your life. You see, within this story, Peter is the everyman. He, he represents us all in the struggles that, that we go through and there will be times when you go through a season of hardship, when you go through a season of temptation, and there will be some times where you begin to doubt and you begin to wonder and you'll just feel as though life is about pushing rocks up the hill. And then you get up and do it again the next day. But it's in these seasons of difficulty that the pretenders are exposed and the true worshipers are revealed. And so Jesus tells Peter, look out, look out, my friend. But he also tells him, I'm praying for you. Now, have you ever said to someone who's going through a difficult time, I'm praying for you? Well, look at what Jesus prayed for his friend in verse 32. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So Jesus prayed two things for Peter. Number one, he prayed that Peter's faith would not fail. That he would push through his season of difficulty, he would push through the betrayal, and he would find faith. Number two, Jesus prayed that when it was all done, that Peter's struggle would be used to strengthen his brothers. Now, is that how we pray? When someone's going through a difficult time, whenever you're going through a difficult time, is that how you pray? I, I know in my own case, I, I normally pray, pray, Lord, take this away. 
I don't like this. Take this away. Make it easier. Lord, I don't have the answers right now. Let, give me the answers. And I don't know that it's wrong to pray that way. I, I think it's, it's actually perfectly okay to pray for healing. It's okay to pray for insight. But I want you to take note here how Jesus prayed for his friend. He said, Lord, help him to have a faith that does not fail. Help him to have a faith that will push through this season. And on the other side, he will have a strength. And Lord, help him to use these moments to strengthen other people. Now, humility, particularly early in Peter's life, was not his strong suit. And so when Jesus tells him this is about to happen, his initial reaction is the machine gun, no. No, 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 no. Not me, Jesus. You got the wrong guy. I'm willing to go to prison with you. I'm I'm willing to die for you. I, I, I would never do this. Whenever I was a young pastor, I was in Austin, Texas, and there was a lady in the church. Her name was Carlene. She was in her 80s whenever I went there. And she, she used to always write me notes. They were actually more like books. They would be like pages and pages of paper that she would write me almost every single week. But there was one thing that she taught me that I've never forgotten. She taught me, Lash, weaknesses are your strengths abused. And it took me a while to really figure out what she meant by that. But if you want to know what you are bad at, find out what you're really good at. Because what you are really good at, the opposite is usually what you're bad at. And so pride takes what we are really, really good at, and then we abuse it. We go to extremes with it. And when we start abusing our strengths, Satan comes in on the backside and he exposes our weaknesses. Whenever you're young, we're trying to discover what is it that I like to do? What am, what am I good at? In fact, as parents, we often say to our kids, okay, what do you like to do? What, what interests you? Because we're wanting to train them in the way that God has created them so that they discover their life mission. And so we're trying when we're young to discover what we are good at. When you start maturing, you've learned this is who I am. This is what I'm good at. And you start finding your place within the world as you mature. And then whenever you reach that point of maturity, you know what you're bad at. You see, a mature person knows what they're good at, but they now also know what their weaknesses are. And they realize that they're going to need some people in their life to help them in those areas where they are deficient. So Peter's strengths were his confidence and his charisma. He he was a natural leader. But taken to extremes, it exposed his weakness, which was his pride, his self-sufficiency. For Peter to be successful, he was going to need some people in his life who would help him stay grounded, who would help him stay humble. One of the main ways that Satan works is he tries to get you to be overconfident where you're good at something. And then when you begin abusing that strength, then Satan comes back in on the back end 
and he reveals those weaknesses and exposes you. And so Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you deny me three, until you deny three times that you know me. Fast forward. It's the midnight hour. Jesus has been praying in the Garden of Gethsemane beneath the olive branches as you see the starlight twickering through. And then here come the soldiers. And it's time to arrest Jesus. And the Bible says in verse 54 that they seized him, led him away, and brought him into the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together. And Peter said among them, When a servant saw him sitting in the firelight and looked closely at him, he said, This man was with him too, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, You're one of them too. Man, I am not, Peter said. About an hour later, another kept insisting, This man was certainly with him since he is also a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was speaking, a rooster crowed. And then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine that moment when their eyes met? And so Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside And he wept bitterly. How could he? How could Peter do this? How could he go so low as in Jesus' time of need to deny that he even knew him? And yet the story of Peter is the story of us all. There is not a person in this room who has not turned to your own way and done things that are sin. We've all messed up. And we've all had people do things to us that are wrong. There are times when we all deny Jesus through our earthly images of what we think God should be. There are times when we all take the right of pride and we start playing God in our lives and we start feeling as though we are completely self-sufficient, there are times when we find ourselves sleeping when we should be caring about somebody. There's times when we find ourselves acting for God when what we really need to be doing is trusting God. There's not a person in this room who hasn't messed up. And there's no one in here who hasn't been messed up in this journey we call life. The passion story, we all know it. There are two betrayals within it, Peter and Judas. Both betrayals dripped with pride, apathy, and sin. Both men denied Jesus and betrayed him in his hour of need. Both men refused to accept 
that God's plan was going to be the cross. Both men had walked with Jesus at great personal sacrifice. Both men had sat there and watched the miracles, listened to the teaching. They were eyewitnesses of the Lord. Both men were leaders. Jesus, or Judas had been promoted to be the finance person within the disciples. Peter, the one that they looked to for guidance. Both men, I believe, felt remorse, guilt, grief. Both stories relate to all of us, for all of us have sinned. But the final chapters of both men's lives are vastly different. You see, Judas' life ends in death. He winds up taking his own, his own life. And Peter's story ends with grace. He experiences forgiveness. He winds up being a great leader. You see, through the rain and through the darkness, your mind's eye can make out two silhouettes. One is the silhouette of our Savior dying upon the cross just outside the city of Jerusalem. And the other is a silhouette of a man bowing in prayer and asking God for forgiveness. Realizing what he had done, Peter broke down. And I think his pride and his disobedience, they just began to pour out of him. And in that courtyard, Peter had a moment of repentance. Fast forward the story again. It's now early Sunday morning. The sun is just beginning to rise. The morning air is refreshing. The dew is still upon the grass. And the women are headed to the tomb. And when they arrive at the tomb, they discover that the stone has been rolled away. And they are met by an angel who tells them that Jesus is alive. And in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, the angel says to them, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has been resurrected. He is not here. See the place where, where they put him. The Easter story. But then, but then notice verse 7. Mark 16, 7 is one of my favorite verses. Because the angel says to them, But go tell his disciples and Peter. Go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. And you will see him there just as he told you. Did you catch that? The angels tells the ladies, go tell the disciples, but please make sure, be intentional. Don't forget to tell Peter. Can you imagine Simon Peter's inner struggle? I've, I've messed up so badly. I've made such a mess of things. God could never forgive me. I'm beyond the reach of grace. God could never use me. And the angel responds right after the resurrection. Go tell the disciples and please make sure you tell Peter. Peter, you're mine. You still belong. You've messed up. You've sinned. But you're mine. I think this story is for everyone who has ever messed up or been messed up. Peter's story is for you. 
Because we all have regrets. We all have those moments where we do things, we say things, we think things that we should not. We've had people hurt us. And maybe we've even drifted off into pride. Maybe we've even drifted off into some very dark spots in the seasons of our life. Unfortunately, sometimes, like Judas, we embrace the lie. Here's the lie. That God could never use you. We start thinking to ourselves, God God can't forgive me. I've done things that are wrong. He can't use me. I've sinned. That is a lie straight from Satan. It is the devil's lie. It tries to get you to think that God could never use you or God could never love you. I don't know when you began believing the lie. Maybe you came across a preacher or a student minister or a life group teacher who loved law more than grace and they began to instill that within you. Maybe it was a theologian who limits the reach of grace. Maybe it's a friend who doesn't understand that people can change. Maybe it was someone from your past. Perhaps a parent, perhaps a love interest that would only love you whenever you were good and so you began thinking that love was conditional. He loves me. He loves me not. Maybe it's the world that you've been raised in that has ultimately fed you this lie since the day you were born. But somewhere in life, so many people embrace this lie that God could never love me. He doesn't want me. There's some people that are close to God. There are some people that He loves, but I'm not one of them. May I remind you today of this man, Simon Peter. He did the unthinkable. He betrayed the Lord in the hour of greatest need. And yet Peter's story did not end in shame. He got back up. He rejected the lie. And he embraced the truth. The big difference between Judas and Peter is a word we call repentance. It's a word that we don't use very often in church because it's gotten a little bit of a bad rap. We kind of make fun of it, the fire and brimstone preacher that says, Repent, repent, because you're in the hands of an angry God. And so we push away from that. But in reality, repentance is a biblical word. And repentance doesn't lead us to the hands of an angry God. It leads us to the arms of a loving God. You say, well, what does repentance mean? Repentance means that you change directions, you change your thoughts, you change your will. And if we would be really honest, there are those moments where we are just running from God. Maybe we're running to our fears, running to our doubts, running to our self-sufficiency, running to things that we know just aren't right. God doesn't stop loving you when you're running away from Him. Like the father from the prodigal son, he still longs for you to return, but there needs to be that moment of repentance when, like Peter, you turn from your rebellion and you turn to your God. And one of the great things about God is that whenever we come to Him in faith and in repentance, trusting in Him, the Lord's arms are open and waiting to receive us with love. There are times when, like Peter, we just need to repent 
and ask God for forgiveness. And it may be that in your spiritual life, what really needs to happen is there needs to be a turnaround where you turn from running from God and instead run to God. And it could even be that there are relationships that you have with other people that are causing you to run from God. And there might need to be a turnaround in some of those relationships where you do what you can to build that bridge of forgiveness and try to restore the relationship. You say, well, what then? What then? You get up. You start living again. The Apostle Peter is one of the greatest men who ever lived. The Apostle Peter became the anchor of the early church. The Apostle Peter became one of those men that took the gospel to the Gentile people. Simon Peter was used to write scripture. We look to him as an example of what godliness is all about. Why? Because he understood that he was running from God and he needed to turn from his rebellion, turn to his God. And when he turned to his God, he experienced the love and forgiveness of God. And God showed him that he wasn't through with him. And God used him in incredible ways. And I think God can do the same thing in your life. You are not beyond the reach of grace. And you are not beyond being used by your Lord. The greatest discovery in our lives is the discovery of God's mission for our lives. And then to go out and live it each and every day and experience the deep, deep joy that comes from your life here on earth being connected to those things which never fade, those things which are truly eternal. God loves you. Nothing can separate you from that love. But it may be that today needs to be a day of change in your life because some things have crept into your life that are drifting you away from God And you need to turn away from those things and turn back to your God. It could be that today's your day of salvation. Today needs to be the day where for the very first time in your life you call out to God and say, God, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. And I trust in Christ as my Lord, as my Savior. Wherever you are in life, I want you to know I want to be a pastor to you. I'm here at the front during these songs of commitment. I love praying with people. I'm here after church as well and throughout the week. If there's anything I can ever do to pray with you, to encourage you, to help you, no, that's my heart. A pastor is not something you do. A pastor is someone you are. It's always my deep, deep joy to help you. And if today God is leading you to be saved, I want to talk to you. If today God is leading you to some life change, I'm here to help. Paul's here to help. We're all here to help you because we're in this together. Amen? Let's bow our heads as we come to a time of commitment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this story that is nestled within the story of the cross. Because the story of Peter illustrates for us why the cross is needed. Because though we should be praying, we often are sleeping. Though we should be following, we often are 
chasing our own dreams and our own pride. And Father, we all fall short. And so in this story, we see our need for the cross. And I pray that you will help us to realize that we are not beyond the reach of grace. That when we turn from our own selfishness and turn to your great love, that your arms are open and loving and that you desire to use our life. I pray that you'll help us to discover why it is that we're here on this earth. And I pray that we might live out your mission for our life. Help us, Lord, not to be captivated by those things that are temporal. Because when we know that we're, captive, when we know that when we're captivated by the temporal, that we are captives, not truly living in freedom. But you have created us to be free, to be alive. And so I pray that our life might be held captive by those things which are eternal. Those few things in life that really matter. May they drive us, motivate us, define us. And I pray that none of us in this room will be defined by the mistakes of our past. Instead, Lord, may we be defined by the depth of your love. Help us, Lord, to be there for each other. When we go through the struggle, may we pray for one another that we will not push away from the faith and that whenever we come out of the other side, that we will be stronger and able to strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you so much, Lord, for this church. I pray that they might know of my love for them. And I pray that we might love you, that we might love one another. And I pray that we might love the lost and the lonely that are living around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.